Hello, Rebels of the Sharp Revolution. Normally, I start off this podcast by saying hi, but I'm going to start this one off by saying hydration. We know how important hydration is for our bodies. It's the thing that keeps us running, right? You want to be a well-oiled machine. You want to be running efficiently. You know what can help you run efficiently? Liquid IV. It is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product that you are missing in your daily routine. It comes in a little stick that's a powder, and in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. If you use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, when you feel run down, maybe after a long night out and doing a little partying, you know what I mean? And even, what if you have like a long flight or something like that and you just bleh, right? We all feel that way. Bleh. So add this to your water and that convenient packaging can go with you anywhere you go, even if you're going to the gym or you're traveling or you're at work and maybe you didn't have a great breakfast. At least it's something that will fuel you up in the morning. And there's a whole bunch of flavors that are available, like sea berry, strawberry lemonade, concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, tropical punch, watermelon, strawberry, passion fruit, guava, acai berry. Did I say that right? I never know how to say that. But those are just some of the flavors. Here's some statistics for you folks. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and even vitamin C. And we all know how important those B vitamins are. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and it is free from gluten, dairy, and soy. I'm going to offer you a great deal, Rebels. If you go to liquidiv.com and use offer code SHERPA, you can get 20% off of anything that you order on that site when you're shopping for some better hydration. So that's Liquid IV. Check it out at liquidiv.com. podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you in cooperation with the SJ Network. If you're a person who'd like to appear on a podcast, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. Today's guest on Too Many Podcasts is Joe, Mojo, McCarthy, who is the creator of Mojo Studio. Mojo has traveled throughout the country and all over the world. I wonder if he's got any jokes about German sausages. I highly doubt it. They're the worst. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the Podcast Sherpa. Hello there, Rebels of the Sherpolution, and welcome to Too Many Podcasts. It is the podcast about podcasts and so much more. Of course, there's so much more, and I'm here... Jim the Podcast Sherpa. That's me. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm here to guide you through this large, large mountain called Podcastia, where we can check out all sorts of podcasts and the folks behind them. And that's what we're doing this time around, folks. I'm pretty lucky because I get to talk on an app called Wisdom, which is absolutely free, by the way, and you can download it for your phone or tablet to hear me on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, in case you're interested. But in that time that I've been on that app, I've met some incredible people, and I did feature some of them on some previous episodes, but today I got one to actually come on the show, and we got to spend a little time 
and hang out, get to know each other, have some laughs. Uh, unfortunately, our connection is a little laggy, so if it sounds a little funny, you go, whoop, whoop, whoop. that's why. So I apologize for that, but I try to edit it as pretty as I can, just so you can enjoy it. My guest today... Who's our guest today, Sherpa? His name is Joe Mojo McCarthy, and he hosts Mojo Studio. And he gets to talk to all sorts of interesting people. And not only that, he's still had a pretty interesting life as I've got to know him more and more each time that we have a conversation. And this conversation that you're going to hear does not disappoint, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, monkeys, and you with the hat. So just have a listen to my conversation with me and Mojo Joe McCarthy of Mojo Studio. And you'll decide for yourself and you can get to know him. Right about now. Hello there, Rebels of the Sherpolution. My guest today is a polymath. <laughs> now, at first, I thought that meant that you could do quadratic equations while juggling, but that is not the case. He is many things. He is a pastor. He is a podcaster. He is a writer, a public speaker, a web designer, and a musician, and probably a couple of other things I'm sure that I'm leaving out. But uh, he's a buddy from the Wisdom app that we got to connect. And he said, you know what? I want to come on your show. And we said, let's make this happen. And he's here today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Mojo McCarthy of Mojo Radio. Welcome. Mojo.studio, Jim. So good to be here with you. What happened first? <laughs> what was the first thing that you were interested in? Because I'm sure there's or, or a lot of things happening simultaneously in your life. Uh, well, I think part of that polymath thing, which I didn't even know what that word meant or didn't even know that the word existed until just this last year. I just thought I was, as they used to say, jack of all, all trades, master of none, because <laughs> I just always wanted to try do everything. Uh, but I suppose in terms of the things that I have some expertise in now, it probably started with music. My mother, uh, who for all of us kids said that we we're going to learn how to read music and we're going to play the piano, started me on piano lessons in fourth grade. And uh, th those two years, fourth and fifth grade, was nothing but a battle between my mother and I. But uh, much as I didn't like being in the house playing the piano while all my friends were outside playing football and baseball in the yard, um, it turned out I did have a knack for that. And I uh, learned not only how to read music, but how to play chords. Um, and so when I got to sixth grade, we changed schools and the, the new school had a band program instruments. And so I begged my mom, I said, Mom, please, can I just stop playing the piano? It's such a nerd thing or a girl thing. I don't know what I said. You know, I was, what, fifth grade. And my mom said, well, you got to play something, Joe, because you've got musical talent. So pick a different instrument. And as long as you're playing, I'll be okay. And so the little boy in me said, drums, I'll be a drummer. <laughs> and my mom said, well, no, no, you will not be a drummer. <laughs> so what? You said, just pick an instrument, mom. And she said, yeah, but, but drums, we lived in a in a fairly uh, trailer house at the time. And, and my mom said, if you're playing the drums, Joe, we're all playing the drums and there's no escaping it. So pick something with a melody, at least, so we know that there's a song behind it. So the the little boy in me, which at the time was maybe 11 years old, I guess, I thought about it and I thought, what's the next loudest instrument I could play? Trumpet! I'll be a trumpet player because I knew that was nice and loud. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that turned out to be turned out to be the very fortunate choice because I ended up playing trumpet through junior high and high school and college, but I ended up uh, touring the world as a trumpet player. And uh, it really became my passport to the world for, for a kid who grew up in Montana 
And I'd seen maybe three or four states before I got my, uh, you know, out of my mom's house to be able to tour the world as a trumpet player was beyond my wildest imagination. What I understand, you you played for the Pope. I did so. So back, this would have been 1990. Uh, I was actually interning at a church in Hawaii, and a gospel music team was touring the world, and they came through and they played a concert. And as a trumpet player, I went up to their trumpet player and complimented him. His you know, his style and his and the, the music, et cetera, struck up a conversation. And so he could tell in the conversation that I must be a trumpet player as well. He asked me a few questions. And then he said, want to audition to join the group? And I was like, is that even a civility? I, what, what do you mean? He says, well, we're, we're going on a world tour. We're, we're leaving for India in just a few weeks. And we're one trumpet player short. So he said, if you want to audition, um, I could audition you here right on the spot. So I auditioned. I, I was uh, past the audition. I was invited to join the group. And within 10 days, I went from Hawaii, where I was interning, to Visalia, California, which was the base of the group. And then within 10 days, we were off to India. And we toured in seven weeks, basically making kind of a circle around the lower two-thirds of India in both large and small towns. And in March of that year, 1990, uh, I got to play at the home convent of Mother Teresa in Calcutta. She was actually there. So uh, we we sang for the Sisters of Charity in the, the little courtyard there area. And then Mother Teresa invited us into, into her office, you know, not, not an office as you and I would think of it, but her very humble place. And then she shared some of her amazing wisdom and love with us. And then just a few weeks later, we left India, we toured Europe, and in Rome, we played at the Vatican in the Pope's Chapel for Pope John Paul II, who again was there in person, and he delivered... This is was remarkable to me. I grew up in a Catholic church in a, as a little kid. So, you know, here I was, a little Catholic boy who went through the communion and the confirmation, and now I'm with the Pope, which is mind-blowing. And uh, and then he delivered this message. I don't remember exactly how many minutes long it was, but he delivered it in seven different languages without a translator. He did it all himself. Now my mind was blown. And then he, he came by to thank our group for, for providing music for his mass. And I was in the third row, and I was sticking my hand up between the two rows in front of me, hoping somehow I'd get to to uh, touch the Pope. But that, that didn't happen. But I was that close, that close. Well, you probably got closer than most people did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, so to be Mother Teresa and Pope John Paul II, all in the span of a few months, uh, even even I have a hard time believing that. And I was there. You ultimately became a pastor in, in your church? Back in 1990, that same year, I got ordained uh, as a minister, and I was on staff at a church first as an intern. Then I toured the world really with a gospel group. So that was kind of a gospel missionary type of work. And then throughout my life, I've been in and out of churches as a worship leader, as uh, the speaking pastor, as a children's pastor. I've kind of played many different roles in the communications director. So um, I have that has been a common thread throughout my career. Not so much the, the position of being paid as a pastor, but certainly that's part of who I am, uh, just feeling that an opportunity to share my faith with anybody who's interested in searching and following, um, I, I, I consider that a privilege. You, you've seen like all 50 states and you've been to like 30 countries. Is there any one country that, that stands out for you that has like a really memorable moment? Well, I would say India for sure stands out because India... Uh, of all the countries I've been to is the most different than anything I was familiar with. And so I, I studied cultural anthropology 
in college thinking I was preparing to become a missionary. And um, so I, I felt, you know, if anybody is prepared for being reason for culture shock, it would be me, right? But the culture shock in India was overwhelming because there was just, there was nothing familiar. I couldn't pin any connections from my own uh, upbringing or my own experience with the sights, the sounds, the smells, the food, all of that was just so foreign, right? That I was, I was in culture shock for the better part of two weeks, just trying to get my bearings. And the low point, so we were in, in India for seven weeks, two, two weeks into it, I ate some food at a train station, even though I'd been warned not to some really nice folks at one of the towns where we did concerts, these youth, they wanted to, to bless us on our way out of town. So they offered us a meal at the train station. And you can imagine India has a much different standard of hygiene and, and cleanliness. And there's, you know, there's just people out there doing their thing, cooking, and who knows whether or not it's ever inspected. It didn't matter. I just felt like, who, who am I to say no to people who have very little offering to pay for my meal my as a thing? So out of sheer politeness, but not out of uh, very education, I said yes. And I ate uh, a stew and some bread. I think the words were puri and subchi, if I'm remembering correctly. And then I got on the train. We said our goodbyes. And for the next several days, I was sicker than a dog in India. And uh, everything came out of every possible orifice in my body. And I got dehydrated. And I felt you know, this is one of the worst feelings I ever felt in my life. All the while traveling on a train, on a taxi, on a rickshaw, to a convent, lying on a cot underneath a, um, a mosquito net. In fact, I remember very vividly, Jim, that I was on this mosquito net in somewhere in India, and because I was so weak and so sick and so tired, I laid down and I thought I had tucked in the mosquito netting, which is required before you go to sleep. And when I woke up, there was more mosquitoes inside the net than outside, which means I actually was too delirious to have tucked the, 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 the mosquito netting in the way I wanted. And then one of my buddies who was on tour with me, he he brought some some bananas and rice and just something very uh, mild to help me get some nutrition in me. And I took like one bite and it all came back out. And I, I will never forget that out of out of somewhere deep in the re recesses of my childhood, this uh, commercial from a TV, a TV commercial came to mind. This jingle came to mind. And and I said to my friend, <laughs> I said, everything is better with Joe's vomit on it. <laughs> and we laughed. And then I went back to sleep. <laughs> well, did you have like a favorite place though? Uh, where like yes. was that was India your favorite place as well as where you had the roughest time too? Um, no, I would say India was probably the most interesting. Maybe not my favorite. Although I would go back, I, I would say things and begin to appreciate and fall in love with the culture and with a lot of the people there. So when we left India, I really was wanting to stay longer. That was seven weeks in, and it was quite a difference, you know, at seven weeks than it was at two weeks which says a lot about, you know, assimilating and getting to know people in a culture. But I would say one of the one of my favorite places in the world, Jim, was in Ireland. So as a McCarthy, uh, I was immediately identified and adopted into every city we went to as a favorite son. Right. Oh, McCarthy, he's one of us. <laughs> and so I, I, I wouldn't. I would announce in front of the the audience that we were playing for that I was a McCarthy and everybody was volunteering to take me into their home. So on our tours, instead of staying in hotels, we would stay in the homes of the people we played concerts for. And I have this beautiful, idyllic memory of going with this family out of town into the um, into the farmland to their stone cottage. 
and staying in their home as if I were one of theirs, and then having you know bangers and mash and all the typical Irish food with these very hearty, ruddy, loving people who just couldn't have been more happy to have Joe McCarthy in their home, even <laughs> though they'd never met me before. <laughs> and and no food by the train stations either, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I I mean, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. How does that go? I guess anyway, I, anyway no, I did not eat the train <laughs> You got it backwards, but that's again. okay. <laughs> not since. You were also a contestant on The Wheel of Fortune? That's right. Yeah, so this would have been uh, during COVID, I got a notice that um, someone was on Wheel of Fortune and it was like a notification so that I could do PR about that person. And at the bottom of the email, it said, if you're interested or you know of anybody who would be interested in being a contestant, click here. And I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. So I clicked on it and I filled out the form and they asked me to do a, a short video, among other things, you know, as to why I thought it would be, be a good contestant. And so I made this I made this, uh, I think, a 60 second, maybe two minute video about different places I traveled including uh, being in Africa. And I'll tell you this in a second, Jim, about having a mock lion attack while I was in Zimbabwe, Africa. And, uh, and I ended the, I ended my little video saying, you want me on that show. You need me on that show or, or you want me on that wheel. You need me on that wheel. And I submitted all that and didn't hear from anybody whether they'd even received it for months. And so I thought, well, you know, there's who knows how many hundreds of thousands of applicants. Maybe I didn't stand out. And then an email popped up and said, hey, we want you to audition with like a virtual game. And so I went on the computer. This is still during COVID. I went on the computer and I was competing just like on Zoom, competing with other contestants, potential contestants from around the country. Um, and I guess I did okay there and they liked my personality. And so months went by again, it was silent. And then I got the call, hey, Hey, in a couple of weeks, we want you to come to the studio and uh, we're going to tape you live and then your episode will air several months later. So this would have been in uh, twenty late 2021 in November. I went up to the studio in Culver City, California, where they tape Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and several other. It's the Sony Pictures studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually prepped on the, the uh, stage of Jeopardy. And this was after, of course, Alex Trebek had passed away. And so all the people who were there worked with Alex for many years, and they told some very endearing stories about what a great person he was. And then we moved over to the Wheel of Fortune stage. We had our practice round, figuring out how to turn the wheel and where the buttons were. And they raised and lowered the stage, you know, to get us all eye level and all that kind of stuff. And then they had a lottery and said, okay, we're just going to pick these teams at random in the order because they're going to tape six episodes all in one day. So the order of the episode was all at random. And I was in the first group, which looking back, I think that was both uh, a blessing and a, and a curse. The blessing is because I didn't have to sit around all day just getting more and more nervous about my turn. Uh, but the curse was I didn't get to watch how others were doing it and get assimilated, you know, to the the, the nuances of the show. Okay. So, you know, there's all these lights and cameras and then there's Alex Trebek and there's Vanna White who... I'd been watching since, gosh, I was, I don't know, grade school. Maybe they, they've been on the show for 30 something years. Yeah. And now I'm right there in their presence and they're talking to me. Uh, so, you know, my heart's palpitating pretty good. And we started my round. I actually, the first two or three rounds or whatever, I was miles ahead in terms of my dollar amount. And then in the, I think it was the third round, one of the contestants won one of the trip prizes. And so the the cash value of the trip then goes on to her total. And when the, when the, time ran out, she was just like a hundred dollars more or something in the total than I was, which meant that she advanced 
then to the the final round and ended up winning you know the hundred thousand dollars in the in the final round or whatever but but I was very happy to have been there uh, it's a true once in a lifetime lifetime opportunity because it says right in the verbiage of your contract once you have been a contestant on Wheel of Fortune you can never do this again it actually you're you're recorded and you'll never get to this so so enjoy it so I I, I can say that I had a true once in a lifetime opportunity. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, so we got to talk a little bit about the podcast too. So how how did you end up getting involved with that? Because I mean, you know, you you got stories of you being all over the world and all over the country. Yeah, so that really started with uh, COVID as well, Jim. I was I'm a very gregarious, outgoing uh, person that wants to be with people all the time, social. And COVID shut all that down, so I was basically living in my kitchen, my living room, or my backyard talking to the dog. And that was just drive nuts. So I was stir crazy. So I pulled out my phone. I started going on walks with the dog and I was recording stories of my travels around the world. As you mentioned, I've been to 30 different countries, all 50 states. And so I was recording stories of my travels, stories from my childhood growing up in Montana and just posting those on YouTube for friends and family. And that kind of got me into this routine of recording and telling my stories and doing a little bit of editing. And then I came across uh, a friend of mine who's been podcasting for quite a while. And he said, Joe, your stories would be great in a, in a podcast. And I, I hadn't really, I hadn't delved into podcasts. I wasn't listening to podcasts, wasn't really clear as to how, how that worked. Uh, but he gave me an orientation and within... Just a few days, once I understood the the mechanics of it, um, I started dabbling in podcasting. And when I was ready, I launched a Mojo Studio podcast and now have, I think I've published 55 episodes since. And, and I know on your show, you get to talk to a lot of different interesting people as well. I do. Yeah. So I, uh, I guess one of the advantages of my age is that I've met lots of interesting people along the way and Thankfully, I've been friendly to them because now when I will call them up or send them a note and say, hey, would you want to be my guest on the podcast? Everybody, like, yeah, just tell me when and where. And so I, I'm just like you, Jim, I'm just absolutely fascinated with the time that we live in now that you and I as regular guys, we have opportunity with very little technology to to create basically what we would consider a radio show from when we were kids. Sure. And have to go through a studio, doesn't require giant contracts, doesn't even require, you know, leaving the house if I don't want to. And so I, I'm just uh, fascinated by that opportunity and and have had some fabulous conversations with old friends and made some new ones along the way. Did you have like any special, are there any episodes that are very special to you? So probably episode number one is very special to me because that marked a brand new era in my life. As the polymath that you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm always dabbling in things and sometimes they stick and many times don't. But to have launched a podcast, to say I'm a podcaster, have content that people seem to resonate with and enjoy. Uh, so episode one was really important in, in that regard. And then um, another important one is I reconnected with a, a, an old mentor of mine. His name is Rick Olson. And back when I was in high school and junior high, he was traveling the country as a like a youth speaker, youth evangelist. And, you know, he'd get everybody pumped up and rah, rah. And yeah, yeah. And I, when I was a kid, I thought, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like him because he just had this charisma and energy and he was saying positive things and just encouraging. And so I thought, boy, I would love to do what he does. And I ended up following him, uh, his career up into college. And then once I got out of college, we went to parted ways and really weren't in touch 
for the better part of 30 years. Um, but not long after launching the podcast, I came across his LinkedIn profile. He posted something and it, I was notified. And so I just picked up the phone, reintroduced myself, and we just clicked. And then I've had him as a guest on my podcast more than once. And then that evolved into a second podcast called 3Gen, where Rick and I, and then another friend of mine, John, talk about leadership principles in the workplace from the perspectives of three different generations. So that has been um, a milestone in my podcasting, quote unquote, career, although I haven't been paid for it yet. <laughs> That's always the roughest thing with podcasting. Get, get a little coin in the uh, in the bank account. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, because we know each other on, on wisdom, and I'm always pushing this when I uh, talk about it. I was wondering if you could kind of share your thoughts about being on the wisdom app as well. Kind of let the listeners kind of get another perspective on it. Yeah. So for those that haven't heard of wisdom, wisdom is a social audio app that came out about a year and a half ago. And it was just about a year ago now that um, I got got an email from the Wisdom team saying, hey, we like your podcast. We like your content. Would you consider coming on as what they called a top mentor? Uh, they, so the idea behind Wisdom is for people with different areas of expertise to be able to share it freely with anybody else that's any audience. They can have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with other people listening in. And um, as I understand it, the, the founder, Dio, who's in the UK, was trying to, what she calls, democratize mentorship so that anybody, regardless of your socioeconomic status or your place in the world, could have access to people who have various expertise and have actually have a conversation with them rather than just listening to a video or reading a book. And um, that, that was very fascinating to me because I really love the idea of communicating with people. And I think conversations can be very powerful. Plus, I could meet some new friends and I'm always interested in meeting new friends. So I started listening in late February a year ago. And then on March 9th last year, which was my birthday, I, I'll just, I'll do my own talk, right? I'll host my own talk. Didn't have any idea what would happen, if anybody would join. Uh, I talked for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes before anybody actually did join the conversation. And then uh, it took off from there. And I, I think I've, I've hosted 125 talks on Wisdom, and I've participated in hundreds more, mm -hmm. and have, have really made some deep and, and meaningful friendships on there and learned a ton, both about myself and about other people's area of expertise. So that's been a, a very rewarding experience for me. Yeah, I, I appreciate that opinion because I know when I tell people about it, you know, they wonder like, are there that many wonderful people in one spot? Yes, yes, there are that many wonderful people in one spot. Yeah, it's been remarkable. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who are on there that um, have ulterior motives or less than, you know, they're not there necessarily for the reasons that wisdom was created. Um, but I have found, as you as you stated, remarkable number of people who really are there to share their knowledge and to learn and to support each other. And uh, it's actually become quite a community of uh, friends for me. So with everything that you've done so far in your life, Joe, I was curious, is there anything that you still... Uh Got on your bucket list that you need to accomplish or you think you got it covered? Oh, there's plenty. Yeah, there's always more. One of the things on my list is to speak on the TEDx event, do a TED Talk. Uh, and I think that's quite cool. And then uh, I also have a couple of books that have been percolating inside my mind and my heart. I just got to get them out of 
my head and uh, onto the computer screen and get those published. I've done quite a bit of research as to how to self-publish and what what those options are. And so, as as you can imagine, the it's not a matter of ideas or uh, or things on my bucket list. It's really a matter of time and priority. How do I choose? You know, I'm I'm also a father of two teenage girls, and I work full time in addition to podcasting and and music and uh, ministry and all that kind of stuff. So squeezing these things or trying to figure out which to give the priority of my energy and attention, that's probably my biggest challenge. So when you're not doing some of your many things and uh, you have a little time to listen to a podcast, what what's going on in your headphones? Oh, yeah. So one of my favorites is Simon Sinek. Uh, he has a podcast he launched a while ago and can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it's like a, a bit of optimism or something like that. And he interviews fascinating people. And he has access, of course, to anybody he wants. But the tone and the tenor and the intent and purpose of Simon Sinek's talks and of his podcast, I find very engaging. And I do listen to uh, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. And um, there's there's so many great podcasts out there. I don't listen to them actually religiously. Uh, it's just as the time allows and the inspiration hits, um, I'll search for something that sounds, you know, like it, it could be, I could learn from or might be inspired by, uh, and hopefully it'll accelerate, not only accelerate my own personal growth, but also motivate me to continue to share whatever I may have to share as well. All right. And we have a portion of the show that is called Shameless Self-Promotion. And this is where you can let everybody know where they can follow you and uh, and hear more about the stuff that you're working on. Shameless Self-Promotion. All right. Yeah. And so as uh, Jim has made clear that I... As a polymath, I got my hands in lots of different areas, and that, that comes across as well online. Uh, but if you go to mojo.studio, which is M-O-J-O-E dot studio, S-T-U-D-I-O, it brings up a, like a link tree type of page with links to all my different social media channels, my YouTube channel. Uh, I even recorded several of my trumpet souls during COVID. And I call that, um, they're like one minute or less snippets from popular songs. And I call those my swift kick in the brass. And so if you're interested in uh, music or fitting, uh, I, I showcased my trumpet music there on, on the YouTube channel. And then there's links to different places that you can connect with me, including the Mojo Studio podcast. Okay, there you have it, Mr. Mojo, Joe McCarthy of Mojo Studio and my buddy from Wisdom as well. Thank you so much. We finally got to hang out a little bit longer than 10 minutes and uh, we got to get to know you. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Jim. Uh, I, by the way, I just want to say for the listeners how much I've enjoyed listening to you on the Wisdom app. Sometimes I get to engage with you for a few minutes on Wisdom. And sometimes I'm doing when I, I'm not able to speak, but your your humor, your your uh, good nature, the questions you ask and the way you host your, your shows is always fun and refreshing. And I I just want to thank you for the investment that you're making in, in the lives of others as well. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. We're on that internet thingy at SherPollution.com. Now it's time for Sherpa Samples. If you've got a podcast you'd like us to sample, contact us and we'll mention your name on the show. Ah, yes, it is time for Sherpa Samples, and that is where I get to go on the podcast charts and have a sample of what's out there to let you know what is out there before you find out what is out there. 
I don't know. I'm a little silly today. Now, the purpose of this portion isn't to review podcasts, but to provide an overview of them. Now, everybody's got different tastes, so I can't tell you what to listen to and what not to listen to. We're everybody's different target audience, right? Even me, too, because I'm a podcast fan first before I am a podcaster. And I think that's what helps me do the show, too, being a fan. So what I do is check these shows out, and I'm just going to tell you about them. Plain and simple. Maybe you'll agree with me, maybe not. If you've got a podcast that I have not talked about, you know what to do. Just message me on social media at Sharpolution, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or even email me at jimthepodcastsharp at gmail.com and let me know the title and I will check the show out if I have not yet. And even if you have a different opinion of a podcast that I spoke about previously, or even the ones that I'm going to be talking about this week, don't be afraid to say something on social media. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. And with that in mind, I think we can... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot the most important part. And if I use your suggestion on the show, your name will get mentioned on the show as well. How do you like that? Stardom awaits, Rebels! Stardom awaits! Okay. So with all of that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the 10 that I was checking out. So we had American Scandal, which is about a lot of different things in American history. And the episode I checked out was about Patty Hearst, who was the granddaughter of publishing magnate William Randolph Hearst. And she was kidnapped and, I guess, inducted into the Symbionese Liberation Army. And it goes into the background of how all this started. It's I didn't listen to the entire story, but the opening's when she was first kidnapped. It was definitely well done. Definitely a lot of attention was paid to detail. And while we're talking about history, there was also a short history of that's hosted by John Hopkins, not the hospital, that's John's. And the episode that I heard was about Muhammad Ali. And there were a lot of things in there that I didn't know about him. And I really enjoyed the story too. And again, some history podcasts and biographies can be kind of lengthy and they try and do this basically in one episode. So it's pretty cool. And I like the way that they summarized his story in that episode. Very enjoyable. Real Life Real Crime is hosted by a guy named Woody Overton, who is a police officer. I think he's a detective down in Louisiana. And he's got some interesting stories to tell about his time behind the badge. Uh, I, I don't want to go into too much detail on the episode that I listened to. Let's just say it, it involved arresting some people for lewd behavior and we will leave it at that. Deep Cover, Never Seen Again, had to do with people leading double lives, and it's hosted by Jake Halpern. The episode that I was listening to was the start of a new season, and it had to do with two women who disappeared, one who may have been murdered and one who vanished, and the possible connection to them made by a small-town detective. Definitely set up an interesting episode, I can say that for sure. The Sean Ryan Show is a talk show hosted by uh, an ex-CIA operative and a former Navy SEAL. So he talks about a lot of different things about people doing heroic things. Uh, One of the episodes that he had, I think they were given a cease and desist order by the Canadian government uh, based on the subject matter of the uh, person that they were discussing. I think it finally got declassified, though, that they were able to do it. So I think that was kind of interesting. You don't really hear stuff like that on a podcast. In the episode that I was listening to, they were actually talking about the uh, episode being censured. Dag Eward Mills is an evangelical minister who has uh, very popular sermons. And I listened to one of his sermons, which I think was done in the Philippines, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the title of this sermon was called, Can't You Do a Little Bit More? And I 
thought it was really interesting. He's a very charismatic speaker. Uh, the, the crowds love him. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to get in touch with a little bit of spirituality, you know, I, we, we don't argue religion here at the Sherpa Chalet. It was definitely inspirational talk, if, if nothing else, if you want to check that out, if you need some of that for your day. And I believe his wife also has a podcast as well, doing the same type of thing. I listened to two podcasts that were hosted by uh, folks from social media. One was called See and Wit Productions and the other one Aware and Aggravated. Now, See and Wit Productions, I think the ladies were from TikTok, as was uh, Aware and Aggravated, I think, Leo Skeppy. I hope I'm saying his last name right. I'm not sure. And uh, See and Wit, or I, I think it's like Kristen and Whitney. And I guess they're going to talk about a lot of dating stuff and maybe other things in the future. It was the first episode that I listened to that had just come out. More episodes have come out since I first listened to that episode. Uh, the episode of Aware and Aggravated, uh, Leo was talking about ways that money ruins your life. These are ones that I can definitely say I am definitely not their target audience. <laughs> and I thought it was kind of interesting that you know they want to give their listeners advice when, in my opinion, it, it sounded like they had a lot of issues themselves. <laughs> uh, the episode with, especially with uh, aware and aggravated, this guy Leo sounded more aggravated than aware. He seemed to have be harboring a lot of bitterness towards fame. And uh, I don't know, it was a little off-putting for me, but you know, you might feel other words if you're a fan of his from the social medias, whether it's TikTok or YouTube, I'm not sure which one. But anyway, if you want to check those out, those podcasts are out. And lastly, it's a podcast that I've listened to in the past. It's called Star Talk Radio, and it is hosted by Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's right, that same astrophysicist who actually once hosted the remake of the show Cosmos. And of course, it's about all things in the universe. And what better guy to deliver all this stuff for you? Man knows what he's doing, and he usually has a comedian co-hosting with him. There are different ones, I know, throughout the years. Uh, lots of times it's him and comedian Chuck Nice, who was actually asked to be on this very podcast, but I never heard from him. Shame on you, Chuck. Shame on you. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm sure he's probably a very busy man, and I'm sure Dr. Tyson is too. Uh, of course, you're going to learn listening to that one. Educational and fun, hey? You can't mess with that, right? But you know what you can mess with? The outro. Let's get out of here. A very special thanks to my buddy Mojo, Joe McCarthy of Mojo Studio, and be sure to check out his podcast. And also, if you are on the Wisdom app, look for him there, too, and follow him, and you get to hear some of his great talks. He's a super nice guy, very inspiring, and like I said, super interesting, as you can tell by that interview. If you want to follow the show on social media, Sharpolution is the word that you need. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, that's where we are, and you can keep up with the doings of the show. And you know, we've still got that 100 review contest going on. You know what you gotta do. If you are enjoying the show, and you can leave a nice review for it on Apple Podcasts, once you do so, just let me know, and you will be entered in contest for some free yes free podcast merchandise but i'm waiting until i get a hundred reviews so be one of those hundred take a chance who knows you could win a lovely t-shirt or even a lovelier coffee mug don't we all need lovely coffee mugs i think we do i have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> okay but anyway uh we will be back next week with another show every wednesday we're here podcast apps everywhere and sharpolution.com 
So don't forget, if you can, also share the word with your friends on social media. You can share these episodes and say, listen to this idiot that I've been listening to. He's really good. Words to that effect, I don't know. Anyway, I gotta go. Mr. Bruce, I think we have to get ready for the next show. So until then, I leave you all with a fond Viva la Revolution, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapolition. Viva la Chapolition. Yell, come back now, you hear? You know, Rebels, if you've been checking out some of my promotional ads on social media, you will be aware that I have been using a lot of AI programs to help me create ads. But you know what? There's a lot more uses for AI than just funny little videos. And I'd like to introduce one of our new sponsors, Podium. It is a leader in creating AI tools for podcasters. Now, let's say you've got a podcast or maybe you're even thinking of doing a podcast. You're probably wondering, well, how can AI be integrated with your workflow? I'll tell you about Podium. As a podcaster, you know that writing show notes and creating chapters and transcribing episodes takes a lot of time and it can cost you a lot of money too. But you know what? That's where Podium comes in. It's an AI tool designed specifically for creators and podcasters with the goal of making post-production tasks quick and easy. And in just a few minutes, Podium generates show notes, chapters, summaries, clips for social media, a full transcript, suggested episode titles, social media posts, and more. That's a lot of work for one little program. Your show notes are key to your podcast success because it helps new listeners find your podcast and they'll know if it's a fit for them. You know, kind of like too many podcasts. It also improves your SEO. That's your search engine optimization. Ooh, big phrase there. And overall accessibility. And with Podium, you can focus on creating a great podcast and let Podium's AI do the heavy lifting. But Podium isn't just for solo creators and podcasters. It's a game changer for editors, producers, marketers, agencies, and production studios. Teams that use Podiums are able to increase workloads, decrease turnaround times, and improve their quality. How does it work? Very easy. First, go to Podium's website, and you'll see that link that's right there in the show notes. You get three hours free just to try it. Pretty cool, huh? And using that link also supports this show as well. And you know what else happens? Because I'm a good guy. You use my link, you will get 50% off for your first month. So visit the site, upload an MP3 file, and download your files, and that's it. And if you need anything else, you can use Podium GPT to generate articles and any marketing copy you might need in seconds instant show notes transcripts chapters for your podcast or channel this will level up that podcast so check out podium today